Listener Production. On today's edition of Footy Talk, there is massive breaking news coming out of the Gold Coast Suns. Stewie Jew will be sacked as coach today. Tom Brown, Triple M's very own Tom Brown, who broke the news this morning, will join us live to chat through how he got the information and what it looks like for the Gold Coast Suns. We will chat about the Bombers and maybe what's happened with Brad Scott and Zach Merritt. That's why the Gold Coast Suns will follow their lead. And, of course, we will play Real Talk, Shit Talk. And is the ladder wide open or is it really a four-horse race? Let's find out next on Footy Talk. You are listening to Footy Talk on this Tuesday, July 11, as we're heading towards round 18 of the AFL season. Gee, it's creeping up. And joining me, as he does every Tuesday all the way from the States, is Nick Rewalt. Good afternoon to you over there. It's still morning here in Melbourne. And just a little bit of breaking news, Real. We might have a big story to get to in a minute. It's been lingering for a couple of weeks since Caroline Wilson spoke about Stewie Jew on Footy Classified. And we believe there will be an announcement today. First thoughts? Not surprising, I would say, because that's what we said, what was it, a, a week ago when we first heard the uh, the rumour and the reports from Caroline Wilson, and then it's so strongly defended, and you go through the some of the quotes from people associated with the football club, Stewie Jew himself having to defend himself, and then the club showing restrained support, I thought. Yeah, not not overly surprising. So how's this? So Tom Brown has um, been tweeting and has confirmed that uh, there will be a press conference at 11.30 and it is believed that Stephen King will be taking over as interim coach as Caroline Wilson just happened to mention his name last mm. week. So another one. That's of what it was form- though, wasn't it? Like it was it was the specific mm. detail, even knowing, like even naming the caretaker. Yeah. So it was when you got to that sort of level and that sort of detail that you started to think, well, gee, this is going to stack up, coupled with the fact, and you made this point, that it was her first real go since the Patrick Cripps one, she had to be super, super confident. So uh, so who are, we, who are we saying broke the story? Well, Did Caroline break it or has our man Tom Brown broken it? I Tom, think, was it you or Caroline? I think it was our man Tommy. Come in, Tommy. Welcome. Hi, Roo. Hi, Joey. Uh, I think Caro's prediction was absolutely right. I think she should be congratulated in regards to her brave reporting. I think the actual fact of it being broken was broken by us and Triple M. Yeah, well done, Tommy. Oh, hey, well done. What a team man he is. I Look like at him it. saying us. Uh, he doesn't say I. Mean, I. In front of a couple of kill the legends, it's important to be a team player, Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no I in Tom Brown. But, Tom, can you give us, before we talk about it and where it comes, just a bit about your, as much as you can give, obviously it's hard as a journalist, but just behind the scenes, had, had you been working the phones sort of feverishly since the weekend? Has it been off the back of Caro's comments that you have done a bit more digging or how has it sort of unfolded for you for you to Break the, uh, break the story this morning. I've had good sources on the Gold Coast um, since COVID because I spent quite a lot of time out there with my wife, uh, obviously as part of the hub. I got some messages this morning that it was on. I checked those out with uh, a couple of sources and it was indeed on. Uh, and then I went with the story. I think this gathered momentum, Joey, late last night and this morning. Clearly they've been brewing for some time. The Gold Coast chairman, the new chairman, got back from an overseas break from Vietnam yesterday afternoon. Um, so obviously he's come back and, and made this change. You can do business easily overseas these days. And we'll find out more about the timing this morning. But clearly their performance, um, and you guys showed a lot of the vision on Fox, Joey against Collingwood was, uh, I guess you could use the word inept. I mean, they just gave them so much space through the corridor. And when you see performances like that, from my experience reporting, they generally lead to these types of situations. But just by way of background, 
it's been, I wouldn't say an open secret, but certainly been a strong view in football that the AFL in particular, um, if you didn't succeed, they gave you every opportunity, but if you didn't succeed, the AFL is very keen on Damien Harvick to coach the Gold Coast Suns. They're writing absolutely massive checks, the AFL, for the Gold Coast. You know, they're costing 25 $30, $35 million a year, and that's excluding any of the costs absorbed by the internal function at the AFL. And there's certainly a bullish view on the list. So I think this has probably trended in the direction that we thought it would, to be honest. So is it your belief, Tom, that they last year decided to stick with Stuart Jew, and that was noble of them because there was coaches like Clarkson and Brad Scott and Ross Lyon. Do you believe now that they've seen what Brad Scott certainly has done at Essendon, what Ross Lyon has been able to do at St Kilda and Clarko, we know hasn't yet been able to do something similar at North Melbourne. Do you think they've looked at that 12 months later or just under and thought, gee whiz, it was noble of us to go with Stuart Jew, but can we afford to do it again with someone like Damien Harwick available who could potentially do something similar to what Brad Scott and Ross Lyon have been able to do at their clubs? Joey, I think you've hit the nail on the head, and this is not great for untried or unproven coaches because you deserve a go. And I guess Craig McRae's example, if you win games like Collingwood do, that's that's the way to solidify yourself as a coach. But just to pick up on your point, I mean, Ross Lyon and St Kilda. St Kilda's open behind the scenes about wanting more A-grade players. But with Ross in charge, with his standards, with his game plan, with the, uh, I guess, the development that he's putting into the players, exactly what Brad Scott's doing. You've seen this year, Essendon and St Kilda, are absolutely in contention on their right day. I guess they could knock off anyone, especially the Bombers at the moment, and St Kilda, who have obviously got injuries. But there's no doubt that's changed the dialogue uh, from a coaching perspective. David Burham, the Essendon chairman, popped all this grief last year. They got mm. they mucked up the CEO appointment. He said, you know what? I don't want the Bombers to have an untried coach. Brad Scott sitting there. I know how good he is. I know what a great development coach he is. I want to go and get one of these types of guys to at least give us the best shot. And there's no doubt that dialogue and there's been proof backed up by that this year, that's definitely changed things. Tom, do you think this would have come as a, as a big shock to Stewie Jew? I mean, I know there was all of the noise last week, and he was, he was really strong in, in defence of himself and his own position, which you would expect, but it was almost a little bit more overs than we usually see from coaches that are under pressure, and he was supported by some other, other people in the media that, that clearly had agendas against Caroline Wilson's position. I don't think it was necessarily that they thought one was right and one was wrong. It was just, I'm going to take the uh, diametrically opposed view to, to Caroline Wilson. Um, we know there are agendas in footy. But do you think this would have come as a, a, a big shock today to Stewie? Well, hopefully we hear from Stewie at 11.30. They're doing a press conference, Roo. Um, I suspect not. He's got one of the top managers in the business. I think Tom Petroro at CLA uh, manages him and Tom's as sharp as any manager if not sharper in the business so Tom's a realist like he would have they would have had very honest conversations in recent weeks both you know guys know him and, and that company um, so he, he would have known what was happening behind the scenes and had a good gauge on things but he put up a very brave public front and obviously hoped it would turn around but you could see the disappointment in the body language on his um, you know particularly after that loss to Collingwood he's just on the bench clearly thinking you know I've tried a million and one things here and this has just gone well and truly off the rails but hopefully we hear we hear from him today. Well done, Tom Brown. Thank you very much for jumping on and joining us. Well done on breaking the story, mate. We'll let you get back. I'm sure you'll be busy for the next few hours and uh, and we'll hear that press conference later. So well done to you and to Triple M and thanks for your time. Thanks, guys. I'm meant to be uh, spending the day with my son Henry and Captain Barnacles today, but I'm going to the office now, so uh, <laughs> hopefully I'll get clearance from my wife. I'd love for you to take Henry with you to the press conference <laughs> or into the office. That would be good fun. Thanks, Tom. Tom, mate. Isn't it fascinating insight? I mean, I, I know we, we're um, we're talking about someone here in Stuart Jew that's that's lost their job, and, and and we're not celebrating that by any extent, but just the 
the inner workings of football clubs, the fact that there were people on the inside at Gold Coast that were providing the information externally that this is on the go, mm. um, it, it just goes to show that sometimes when you're when you're a part of a club and you, you think you're galvanised and you, you think you're, you're able to keep everything tight and in-house and everyone's pulling in the one direction, it, it's not always the case. So... You never like these things to, to come out the way they have. And, and clearly when it came out a few weeks ago, they were on the money right down to the caretaker coach coming in. You just wonder whether that with some of these stories that have clearly now got out, there's a bit of self-preservation in it. And the people that are speaking are almost, hey, it's not it's not coming from us. It's not mm. our fault. It's then pointing the fingers. I don't know. It's it's a fascinating one. Just quickly before we move on on, on this topic. So Mark Evans came out and I'm sure he's going to have people saying to him today, well, you came out a couple of weeks ago and were emphatic in your endorsement. We'll just Let's just actually just go through and have a look at some of the, the political speak, which Mark Evans has been around a long time. He's a really terrific football person. And you, you, you look back retrospectively and he, he played it absolutely beautiful because his quotes were, I've got a coach, this club's got a coach. Statement, in fact. Um, we, we understand poor performance leads to added pressure. Judge the performance over the medium to long term. I've said time and time again, Stewie's our coach. Statement, in fact. Contracted for this year, true. And next year, true. Mm. Contracted. But at no point does, does he say, and he will coach out the remainder. So he said all of the right things without actually being fully committed to, to Stewie and having egg, egg on his face. So political speak, but that's, you know, that's the world we live in. Yeah, that's right. And he said, we'll come back. Let's do everything we can to make sure the results can be as good as they can, which was right. He didn't say whether it was for one week, two weeks or for three yep. years. It was, again, another statement of fact. So it's interesting in hindsight. They had to come out and just to basically keep the wolves at bay. And just hearing from Tom Brown, it almost felt like, though, the, the wheels are in motion and it was almost like the formality of waiting for the chairman to come back from holidays to make it official, probably just as a as well, just sort of correct protocols. You, you can't do it. You can't yeah. do it without the chairman. Yeah. I mean, he would be absolutely skewered if they – uh, if if it had gotten out and they actually pulled the trigger and made the decision with him out of the country, so it was you're right, it was a protocol protocol play, which was interesting because you wonder how many weeks uh, ago that was because it was only uh, rounds eleven and twelve they went to Darwin and beat the Western Bulldogs in Adelaide, two teams mm. that were in the eight. So at that point, had were they thinking that, or was it once they come back and lost to Carlton? But maybe they thought, you know what, this inconsistently is continuing. That was after the bye. Or was it straight after the Collingwood game? Maybe. I don't know. But it's, it's fascinating that it changes pretty quick. Maybe it was the day after Damien Harbick left Richmond that they, that they made the decision. Mm. And, and Mark Evans was strong and emphatic in saying he hasn't spoken to Damien Hardwick. He didn't say he hasn't spoken to Damien Hardwick's manager. Yeah. So, so maybe it happened all the way back then. And regardless of what Stewie Jew did, his state papers were stamped. Well, there'll be more to play out and that. The press conference will be at 11.30. As we said, we are recording this before then. Then this ties into another club that we think the Gold Coast have maybe looked at and said, right, this is where we want to go. It's the Bombers. And the year the Bombers are having, and I called the game for Triple M on Sunday, Rui, and... I must admit, put my hand up, I've probably underestimated Essendon. I said even before uh, this game, I tipped Adelaide, and then I prefaced it by saying, but I keep underestimating the Bombers. And they proved me wrong again. Watching them up close and live, their first half was as good a first half as I've seen Essendon play in a hell of a long time. They were tough. They were defensively minded. They could score like they always have. And they play now with character and selflessness and resolve. All the, the traits that strong teams have, so Brad Scott going there, a new ca- captain in Zach Merritt. It's amazing what it can do for a group and when everyone is on the same page, how the results can look and the difference with the same playing list really in 12 months' time compared to when Ben Rutten was coach. Yeah, I, like, I think again we can, we can overcomplicate 
footy at times and overcomplicate what actually yields really strong results. And and it and it at least seems from the outside that you, you have a higher set of standards and accountability to those standards and a bit of a harder edge. And it looks to be yielding great results for, for the bombers because you, you don't you don't get that. It, it's, you can't just flick the switch and get that. You have to you have to build a culture of if I don't play my role, if I don't play selfless footy, if I don't apply pressure, then I'm not going to be a part of this team. You know, J- Jake Stringer at the start of the year, not great standards with respects to his fitness and, and he was held back. He was held back from the side when in previous years, maybe he just came in because they were held captive by talent. Maybe the, the laughing and the smiling approach under the previous regime wasn't yielding the, the, the best results because there, there, there wasn't that edge and, you know, that, that little bit of fear and accountability about not living up to, to the standards. So w- well done to, to Brad Scott and well done to Zach Merritt because, I mean, you, you, know, you don't like to individualise, but it starts and stops with, with the coach and, and then the captain driving those standards internally. And um, it, it's, you know, there's no secret in, in footy. Sometimes it's just about doing the work and giving great effort and you reap what you sow. Spot on. And Brad Scott, we interviewed him on Triple M Sunday and even his comment, were asked, he was asked about Mason Redmond and Darcy Parrish, about where they are up with their signatures. And he was in, basically said, if they don't want to be at this club, no drama, maybe it's not for them. It was almost like, that's fine. We are about the team, not about the individuals. If you want to maybe go and chase more money, go for it. I love that stance and I think you're right, Rue. He's got that bit of a hard edge about him um, as well as being a development coach. Zach Merritt certainly got the hard edge. And I think even though some people think the St Kilda are in a similar boat, we know it's a different looking St Kilda this year for that reason. The standards, the the more consistent effort that they're getting compared to the fluctuations under Brett Ratton and the, the system that they are building and the culture that they're building at that footy club, something quite similar. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think you can still... It's the eye test, isn't it? Like you see it in the way the team goes about it. And I know like St Kilda is a good example because you look at the win-loss, you look at you know a lot of the statistics, it's, it's very, very similar. But the eye test and the fluctuations in effort, that, that's what you always look at as, a, as a, an analyst of footy or even a fan of, of footy. If you see the team having a crack, mm. like you, 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 can, you can live with results. And I think that's what we've seen consistently from the Bombers, consistently from St Kilda and the sides that we, we haven't quite seen it from yet, you know, the teams like Adelaide and, and some of these who are very, very young, that's when the real spike will come for them when, when they're able to deliver that on a consistent basis. What about then the last point before we take a break? A team that now is having a crack, but I want to ask you, is it too little, too late and where's it come from? And that is Carlton. So they've now won three on the trot, a big win to go over to Perth and beat the Fremantle Dockers. Is it a case of the pressure's off, the weight's off their shoulders, and now it's you know, a bit of a free swing, but they're playing better footy? Or is it actually, no, they knew what they needed to work on. It didn't happen immediately, but six, eight weeks of grinding away at their game, you know, being maybe having a harder edge, all of a sudden it's now leading to results, and it's now looking like what they were hoping and expected it looked like early in the year. I mean, it's it's absolutely trending that way, isn't it? Because the results are starting to, to to stand up. I mean, I don't think we can really answer that question until we see what they dish up against teams where the expectation is going to go up. So yep. they, they've got Collingwood in a few weeks. That's the litmus test for me. So if they can stand up to the pressure of that, if their if their game stacks up, um, and 
all of a sudden the expectation goes up again, well, then we get an opportunity to, to measure that, to measure that level of resilience um, uh, against the quality opposition. Well, they've even got Port Adelaide this week at Marvel Stadium. There's a bit more expectation. Some people are even suggesting they could beat Port Adelaide. So let's find out whether they're up to it or whether they crumble under the pressure against a, a really good side. We will check that out. Hey, just a little bit of news. Grian Myers, uh, great for him and the Cats' sign until the end of 2026. He's actually having his career best year. Had a career-high 32 disposals on the weekend, which was five more than his previous best. He has been one of those Cats that has had a consistent season where a lot of others have been up and down. But we will take a break, Rue, because we want to do an extended version of Real Talk Shit Talk. I want to bring up something that you said at the start of the year about the ladder and maybe the divide between the good and the bad. I want to get your take. You're listening to Footy Talk. If you want to get involved, send us a message on Instagram at footytalk underscore pod or on TikTok at footytalkpod. You are listening to Footy Talk. If you do have a question, make sure you hit us up on Instagram or on TikTok. I'm here with Nick Rewalt on this Tuesday. Really, we love to play some real talk, shit talk, and I'm going to fire the first one at you. This season is an even season in the AFL. It's an open competition. No, that's that's rubbish. That's shit talk, Joey. I think it's clear top four, and it has been uh, for a little bit of a while. I mean, I... I think we're all trying to make a case for teams like Geelong. Like, can Geelong get on a run and can they win it? Can can Richmond sneak in and create havoc because that's just what the Tigers do? But, like, very, very clear top four that you've got real confidence in. And then from there, it's I mean, it's a week-to-week proposition with basically every other team. Collingwood Port, the clear top two, and then then Brisbane and Melbourne. Probably Brisbane a rung above Melbourne, but they're the four for me. And outside of that, I mean, I, I think it's a bunch of you know, good to good to average teams. Yeah, I completely agree with you. You said it at the start of the year, Rui. You said there would be a clear divide between the top teams and the bottom. And while everyone's saying it's even, I agree. We're talking about even teams between 5 and 13 that are all just average, you know. Some mm. teams are doing better than others from what we expected and some are doing worse. But they're all inconsistent and not playing well. I mean, Port Adelaide and Collingwood are that far ahead of everyone else with Brisbane close behind, but it's going to be dependent on where they play their finals that I can't see anyone else getting close. And you're right, we are just trying to make a case for teams to sneak into the eight. Like, that's a big thing, you know. Could Gold Coast make it a few weeks ago? You know, know, Richmond and and teams like that. So I agree with you. It's not that of an even or exciting competition at all. I think we're just waiting for the finals and one of the top four will win the premiership. You can take that to the bank. I got one for you. I got one for you, Joey. And and this is uh, this is going to be a tough one for you to answer. Mm-hmm. If you if if a club so Max King went down this week yeah. and hated to see it. He had the shoulder issue to start the year. We know he's had a, a knee reconstruction previously. He hasn't been able to string a, a, as much footy together as Saints people would like. The Saints have spoken about needing to bring more A-grade midfield talent in. I know they've got a, 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 a lack of forwards as well. If a club went to St Kilda, given his his injury history, play like him or a player like Rowan Marshall and said, we'll give you two first rounders, would you consider it? You're the list management guru. Would you consider um, it? No, that's shit talk. Because you're talking about trading out talent to bring in A-grade talent, but you're trading out A-grade talent. And I think, I know Max's shoulder is now concerned. Two shoulder reconstructions and a knee reconstruction. He's just turned 23. But I think these players like him don't grow on trees. There's no guarantees you would find one like him in the draft anyway. 
I would rather a six good years out of Max King when St Kilda's in a premiership window than trying to start again and finding the next Nick Rewall in the draft, which you don't know if you're going to get. I would keep him, back him in to get the rehab right, build around the, the – he's a bit of the pillar. Build around him with everyone else and more A-grade talent. And in two, three years' time, whenever it is, hopefully he's fit and healthy and he will be the anchor of a premiership team for mm. St Kilda. He will be the yeah. main man. So you can't trade him. But I get it. It is a concern. His injury history – and midfielders uh, are a dime a dozen, let's be honest, Joey. Yeah, well, that's right. But we need some A-graders. There's a lot. You've got to have A-graders in there. Saints need a few more. <laughs> hey, just follow, I'm going to fire this one at you, and you can ask me as well. But there's a bit of talk about the Bombers playing at GMHBA Stadium this week. So if it was at the MCG, you'd probably get 70,000. Mm. Should Geelong play these big Melbourne clubs at the MCG? No. No way. I agree. It's their home ground. They shouldn't have to play finals at the MCG. You, they you... should be able to play finals at their home ground. Absolutely they should. Yeah. And they have the argument every year. I mean, it's it's becoming – I think it's becoming less and less parochial. And maybe Chris Scott now with the, the second premiership under his belt, he won't go as hard if they do scrape in. But, no, absolutely not. That's their home ground. They should be allowed to play at their home ground regardless of who the opposition is. I agree with you. you think? Why should, I absolutely yeah. agree. Why should these smaller clubs that don't have bigger supporter bases have to go down to Geelong? where no one wins, but what, because you're a bigger club, you don't have to travel and play an away game against Geelong and you get it at a neutral venue? Please. That's the other side of it. That's the other side of it. For the So so it disadvantages Geelong and it also creates a huge advantage for, yeah. the, for the bigger clubs. It's not how it works. Because, I mean, Collingwood never go down there. The, like, the Bombers are down there this time, but when was the last time they were down there? So, yeah, to- yep. totally agree. Yep. Uh, we're on the same page with that one. Uh, hey, I've got uh, I've got one for you uh, off TikTok. How do you actually lodge a question on TikTok? I don't even know how you do yeah, that. Yeah, that's um, why I read it out every session. If you've got a question for us, hit us up on Instagram at footytalk underscore pod or TikTok at footytalkpod, and then you just write right. a question. Okay. Anyhow, so what's the question? Well Give it to me. The question is, uh, who are your under-the-radar players this year, Joey? Who's oh. just who's compiling a nice little resume this year that might, maybe haven't got the attention they deserve? Yeah, good one. I've got four, but they're from two clubs, and it probably makes sense, the two clubs, why they're going under the radar. Two mm. from the GWS Giants and two from Port Adelaide. I think Stephen Canilio and Josh Kelly who a few years ago when the Giants were playing in grand finals and were going to win seven premierships in a row were hyped up, you know, off the charts. They are back to that sort of form. They are both mm. in scintillating form and are a big reason, Rui, why we'll talk another team, the Giants could potentially sneak into the eight under Adam Kingsley in their first year. They are having cracking seasons. And the other two are a team on top of the ladder, but Connor Rosie has snuck under the radar with how good a year he's having. Because of all the talk about Zach Butters, he's now the fifth highest rated midfielder in the competition all his numbers, every category, are better than last year when he was an All-Australian. So I think wow. he has to be a lock for All-Australian if you go on those figures. And I think Jeremy Finlayson is one that he's sneaking under the radar with his importance to Port Adelaide. He could almost be in the All-Australian squad of 40 as that key forward uh, slash second ruck because I don't think you need two ruckmen in the All-Australian team this year. They're still trying to figure out which one is the All-Australian ruckman. And in a year where none of the key forwards have really taken the season by the scruff of their neck, like Kerno's had some good, obviously a great period, Jeremy Cameron. Taylor Walker's probably the front runner at the moment, which yep. is a surprise. So I think Jeremy Finlayson is another one who's had an under-the-radar year. Really? Like nice, that? nice. There yeah, go. good one. So you reckon Rosie and Butters are both going to be all Australian mids this year? I'm just uh, if Connor Rosie made it on the bench last year, and he's yep. he's doing everything better than he did last year. 
and they're on top of the ladder. So Port Adelaide deserve probably three, four, well, you, five. You do like to see you do like to see the good teams uh, be, be loaded up with on on players in yep. your Australian team. So, so there we go. Keep an eye on that. Hey, well done to you. Big day Tuesday, of course. The news again that Stewie Jew mm. will. Uh, be sacked, I suppose that's the right way of saying it. He'll be sacked as coach today at the official press conference uh, 11.30 this morning. And uh, we'll stay tuned for more off that. Of course, tomorrow the guys will fill us in. It'll be Abby Holmes who'll talk us through it all. Until then, enjoy your Tuesday, really. Listener.